Welcome back to Citizen the Pod. It's your host, Kina Zontel. On today's episode, we're discussing grassroots campaigning, how to win without money, and is it your time to run? Don't forget to continue the conversation with us after the show on Twitter at Citizen the Pod and at The Surge 2018 and on Instagram at The Surge 2018. If you haven't joined the movement, if you're not registered to vote, get to it. Register to vote today. Before we get started, I want to leave you with this quote we would all like to vote for the best man but he is never a candidate let's get started so let's get into it um today i am going to be talking to one of the big homies someone who's definitely taught me most of the things that I know about government and politics, and I'm so grateful that he's in my life. I am joined by my friend, Jesse. How you doing, Jesse? I'm good. Good. Thanks. Um, so what do you do? Tell the folks a little bit about yourself. Uh, I'm the Western Region Political Director for the Working Families Party in New York State. So I um, essentially run the party in the four congressional districts in Western New York. It covers Buffalo, Rochester, Southern Tier, all the way down to Ithaca. Well, he is definitely a busy man, and I'm so happy I was finally able to get him on um, the show. So let's kind of get started. Um, today's show, we're going to talk a little bit about grassroots organizing and what that is. And it's a term that you've probably heard pundits throw around, especially during this midterm election and with the surge of democratic excitement around voting in a midterm election. Um, That's something that's super important to getting our candidates elected. And Jesse, can you tell the folks a little bit about what grassroots organizing is? I guess I would say in the the context of elections, it's, it's direct voter contact. Basically candidates and their teams build networks of leaders in their districts that care about the campaign and they train and work with those leaders to reach out directly to either the people, people that both people that the leaders know and also voters that they don't know. Right. And I mean, it's bigger than just elections. You use it for, you know, we use it for everything. We use it for union organizing for in the workplace and the community, um, you know, for advocacy, but it's, you know, by definition, it's, it's, um, you know, regular people talking to other regular people about what they can do together to make, change right and that I know that was a big that was a big uh, I want to say positive that was used during the Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez win yes Um, a lot of folks when they hear her name they think democratic socialism which is you know all the isms tend to be to me a big distraction Um, When really folks want to be able to convey a message of, you know, your community matters and those who are serving your community should be, you know, doing all they can to continue to communicate with you and to continue to push an agenda in Washington or wherever they are, they are. And and if that's in New York state, that's in Albany, they should be pushing an agenda that's going to reflect your area's um, hopes and dreams and goals and the change that you want to see. How do you think that Hello? Um, Ocasio-Cortez's 
grassroots organizing? How do you, what role do you think that played in her win? I mean, uh, she was up against, um, you know, Joe Crowley is probably one of the most prolific fundraisers in the Congress. And, you know, he'd been around, he's a leader, a political leader in that district for a very long time. So without it, uh, she would have had no chance whatsoever. Um, so, I, so I think every can we, we train candidates and we encourage every candidate to use both grassroots fundraising, but, and also grassroots direct voter contact, um, you know, which you organize in both, whatever, whatever sector you're working in, you're organizing, you're trying to get regular people to lead, lead their, their colleagues and voters to do what we, you know, do the right thing. But, but essentially when you're up against a well-funded candidate or an establishment candidate, if you, if you're not, you know, firing on all cylinders with grassroots organizing, grassroots, grassroots fundraising, grassroots voter contact, then you do, you just don't have a chance because you can't, you can't match them on TV or in the mail or the other stuff that you can pay for. Great. Now I, I'm not sure what the numbers were. He had a really large war chest, but I believe she really only spent a fraction of that, which probably went to things like lawn signs or literature and a small yeah. amount of that probably yeah. went to, you know, her staff. But she, you know, she, she purposely was not taking money from super PACs. Um, and corporations, which I feel is a new wave for candidates running for office. And I'm excited that it's here because we've seen the consequences of dumping money into campaigns and, and, and what kind of candidates we get out. Uh, We, we actually end up inheriting for a long time uh, when we, when money is driving the campaign cycle. Mm -hmm. Right. And and, uh, money has a huge impact on politics. It always has. And it's been sort of, uh, it's sort of become like Frankenstein. It's sort of become a monster since Citizen United. You know, your, your listeners probably know since, since Citizens United basically was the Supreme Court saying that money is speech. So if you have a billion dollars, you have a billion times the numbers of the amount of speech that I have because I have nothing. Wow. Okay. Um, and, and it also said that, um, because it's speech, you could basically spend unlimited amounts of money. Um, and, you, and there's no, there's, they didn't even, um, they didn't even say you had, there's any disclosure. So we're, so it, we have to put in place disclosure. So at least we know who's spending all this money, but that may, we may even face a problem in Supreme court with that. So, so the problem that's always been there is sort of ballooned. And I mean, I just to cut to the chase, I mean, we have the working families party has recruited candidates, um, you know, we endorse thousands and thousands of candidates, but the candidates we work on because we think they're awesome and because they, we can change, we think we can move our agenda by making sure folks win, we're always outspent. I mean, even when we're working side by side with the Democratic establishment, we're outspent six to one. But when we're running against the establishment, we're outspent 20 to one. And you can still win um, if, you, if, you, if, you're, if you, you know, we teach people how to teach candidates how to do grassroots fundraising, you can still win. Yeah, I mean, we can... We can hang up. I mean, we can we can have reading your text. <laughs> Even if first spent out, spent in twenty one. I'm actually um, I'd be interested to uh, see to see if we can find the numbers for how much Alexandria spent versus Joe. Mm-hmm. Um, but regardless, whether it's whether it's twice as much or three times as much. In a, I mean, in a primary, especially in primaries, in this race, we're talking about about twenty eight thousand people voted. 
Now, if you want to send a mailing to 28,000 people, it's going to cost you about $28,000. If you want to spend three, three mailings, it's about $90,000. So it's not a little bit of money. But someone like her, someone, anybody listening to this show, if we train, if we sit down and really build a structure and train them how to do it, they could raise $90,000. And with a lot of grassroots organizing and doors on top of that money, she could win. Mm-hmm. Even if she not spent 10, 20 to one, the, the real negative effect of money, in my opinion, and you know, there's lots of people who have, um, who study this a lot is that there's so much money out there. It has nowhere to go. And what most, a lot of it is being used for is to punish uh, elected officials for taking principled stands. You know, they vote for something they believe in, whatever it is, they vote for, you know, a, a gun control bill. And they, they know that every time they take a stand, or if they vote for the Dream Act, or they vote for any anything that you know, I mean, whatever your opinion is, whatever you're advocating for, they know that on the other side of that vote, there's going to be some angry billionaire who can drop a million dollars in their district, and they don't have to tell them, hey, he voted for single payer health care, so he's a he's a bad guy. We we can beat that big money in elections uh, with volunteers, but once you know, we can't match them dollar for dollar for the, you know, for the, di- when these guys are in their, bring out their terms. And that's really, I think that's really the poison that, that, that money is how it's affecting our government is everybody's afraid that they'll be retaliated against. Hmm. And given that just, we don't have enough resources to respond every time we're, every time our, our best people, our champions are attacked, you know, they just feel like they're out in the, out in the cold. Right. Right. Interesting. Uh, I never had a, a real grasp on Citizen United, Citizens United. So thank you for um, letting me as well as the listeners know, you know, that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Um, what the power of that Supreme Court decision was. Um, so again, listeners, I want you to I want you all to understand that, you know, I mentioned on a previous episode, I have a Supreme, well, I have a Supreme Court episode coming out um, where we talk a little bit about the importance of, you know, your vote and the, you know, Kavanaugh appointment and how, you know, Kennedy just as, you know, he was awesome when he upheld, um, you know, Roe versus Wade and when he wrote the, you know, the decision on, uh, marriage equality but he also supported Citizens United and you know we thought that well I never thought but some Americans thought that 45 was planning to go to DC to drain the swamp when in actuality he's been making it swampier and swampier and his Supreme Court nominations just backed that idea up so uh, it's important for us to again exercise our you know, our right to vote. Um, But talking a little bit about Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, another another way folks have been describing her has been, you know, she's an activist. And lately we've seen activists stepping out of that silo and into the public office space. I think this is awesome. Yeah, totally. um, I think we need more people who have that drive to want to see change in different areas running for office instead of like the financially well off or the elite or or, you know, people with the right last name. So 
do you feel like the there's a wave right now for fresh faces in politics? I'm just I guess I'm trying to ask the question, is this a good time for new faces in lieu of, you know, the Tea Party movement, the Bernie Sanders wings of the Democratic Party, you know, Democratic Socialism? you know, the power that we're seeing with libertarians and far, far right groups. It just seems to be a hunger for new faces right now when it comes to voters. Do you think now is a good time for folks to, if you've been thinking about politics in in the past, now is a good time to kind of jump on the bandwagon? Um, I think, think personally, I'll start with that. I mean, I think think every progressive, every person who believes in social justice and equal rights uh, need to start thinking about themselves someday being a candidate, someday being, more importantly, someday serving in government, running government. Um, it doesn't mean everybody, all of us have to do it, but it's really it's just one way to serve, one way to contribute. And I don't think that means that every, we all should run now. Um, mm-hmm. I have a district where um, my county, leg, uh, county legislator is a great guy. Um, She's doing good work. My councilwoman's a great woman. She's doing good work. There'd be no point for me to run. Um, I'm not going to run against someone who's doing a good job. And we have hundreds, you know, as much as we need hundreds of more people to run who are progressives and who are going to do a good job in office. We don't need to run against, we already have hundreds. We do have hundreds of people already. We just need hundreds more. Right. And we don't run against them. Uh, I mean, it's a free country. People can do what they want, but it's not replacing one hardworking progressive who has been years experience in city council with another hardworking progressive that doesn't not all that much you know in, in terms of like how do we deliver social change for people. Um, but I do think people need to start thinking of themselves as candidates uh, because um, most people who serve in public office in lo- especially local office are just regular folks. They're teachers, they're they're workers, they're you know they're they, they coach literally they you know, they're, and they're on the school board. It's, it's just another thing that they do. And then, you know, if we get hundreds of great people doing that, um, from there we'll get, you know, a dozen people who are thinking about running for state government and half a dozen people who are thinking about running for Congress. And, and, and uh, you know, it, it sort of trickles up from there. Mm-hmm. So do you think that they're going to be viable as we move forward, as we move forward? I mean, I know that right now the system is really entrenched in a two-party system. I mean, we're yeah. we're seeing that it's really hard for third party lines to even remain on a ballot because it takes so many votes. Like yeah, I mean, states have so many votes for each. But do you think, you know, the two party system is going to go away because folks want something new? And I I work for a third party. I work for the Working Families Party in New York State. It's a it's a constituted legal party and in a political party in New York State, but it's also a national organization that that functions as a political party in terms of recruiting candidates candidates moving their agenda um you know that said you know, we realized the hard way 20 years ago that this, this, the uh you know the, the party system is is really entrenched isn't a strong enough word i mean and, uh i don't yeah. want to go too far on a here but i mean I, the, the major parties are subsidized by the government i mean they're you know they're there's political positions in government that administer the process every you know new york state for example there's commission, commissioners in every county Right. Aren't like the referees, but they represent two of the seven parties. Right. Um, you know, and they're very good. You know, I work with dozens and dozens. I work with I work with thirty six. They're very good. They re- believe in democracy, um, but 
you know, they're not there with the other party, not with my party. Uh-huh. Um, and there's lots of other examples of, of that. There, I mean, there, both major parties are also heavily subsidized by the same special, the same interest, hedge funds, Wall Street, large corporations. If you look at, now, like I said, most of the donors in politics are individuals who are donating to a personal friend or family member. But most of the money comes from a small group of people who aren't going to give you money if you run for town board. And most of those people live in like the same three zip codes in Manhattan that give the both sides. So mm-hmm. it's hard, you know, what I always tell people, even if we, even if it was our goal to replace the Democratic Party, in order to compete with the Republicans, we'd have to take the same money that they're, you know, we'd have to be like them. And, and that's not what we want to do. We want to help, <laughs> right. we want to recruit candidates that are different and we want to help them learn how to raise money where they're not dependent on that big money. And then we want to press for legislation that changes the rules so that's easier for us to do uh, that type of work. Um, so if we were just to take the place of one of the major parties, we, we maybe we'd be better because we're better, you know, but I, they're good people in both those parties that, that maybe I disagree with them, but it's, you know, it's just in order to do what they're doing, they have to do it this way for now until we change the rules. Right. And I also put the history, the last time a third party took over, there was a civil war. <laughs> right. It took a civil war to replace the Whigs, you know, or, or whoever, I, mean, I probably got that wrong, so I'd be embarrassed, but, um, you know, I, you know, I, and a third, I would say, I don't know what the point is. I mean, um, why take over the Democratic Party when we could take over the government? When And, and by take over, I mean, run for town board, make sure the garbage gets picked up, the, pl- the snow gets plowed, mm-hmm. parks are clean and, and safe for kids. Um, you know, um, you know that's really where it matters to people's lives. And I think I would encourage people who want to get involved in politics to focus on solving problems for people rather than, you know, the political apparatus. You have to do that kind of work. Um, people like me do it for a living, but it's not the point of politics. Yeah, I, I, I think that you alluded to the fact that we definitely need to make sure that candidates are public servants first and that their priority or the reasons for running is based on wanting to see change that's going to affect like the people's lives that you're actually going to represent. It shouldn't be viewed as a job or a way to, you know, gain notoriety. I mean, those things are going to come because of course, there are power in positions, but as stated, you know, it's people need, folks need to get into the game for the right reasons. And the minute you are only in it to, you know, enrich your family or friends that we're seeing, unfortunately, when it comes to Congressman Collins, um, and as we've seen, you know, and there are Democrats who have done the same thing in New York, and they've been indicted and prosecuted as well and that's because they lost focus they lost you know the true goal and the true aim of holding these offices and that was to represent the people that are voting for them and not themselves and when we formed the wc i think a big part of what we hope to do is you know i think unfortunately if you talk to some democratic operatives they will tell you you know it's all well-meaning their job is to elect democrats people check the box it's their job to get them elected that's the beginning and end of their job Right. Our, our job started out, you know, our job has always been to hold people accountable after we get them elected. Now, the, you know, we were faced with the stark reality of resources when there are thousands of positions. There are mm-hmm. hundreds of people in state government. There's 27 congress, congressmen and women. Um, 
he's got a candidate like our statewide candidates are like one more are really powerful and hard to keep in check and he's got hundreds if not thousands of positions so how does one group of people hold all of those folks accountable at the same time right it's difficult work so i think a lot of what our work has been the last few years is how do we bake it into the process to become an elected they have their own set of accountability so if you teach people you got to build a list of 500 to a thousand people friends and family that you're going to ask for 50 bucks 100 bucks every year then they're accountable to them and then on top of that you're going to win this race by going door to door every year every, well, every election every two years every four years but hopefully a little bit in between too and you're going to ask people for their vote and you're going to tell them who you are and what you want to do and ask for their vote that's another way to hold them accountable and then we've created things like local progress new york which is a coalition of progressive elected officials where it's like you know i'm on to the next race a month before this election i'm already thinking about races for next year right so when they, when my friends get a, my, my candidates get a, get a win that's great it's difficult for me to like turn around and say this is what i want you to do on the first day of work mm-hmm. like, i'm already working on the second campaign right so, we performed this thing called Local Progress New York, which is a coalition of progressive elected officials, about 150 people in New York State who all identify as progressive or ser- currently serving in office. And, it, and they're holding each other accountable. Less accountable is helping each other do better in the job and, and keeping people um, excited about what they ran for in the first place. And, and I think the more structures like that we build, the easier it will be for people to keep you know, on the straight and narrow and keep doing the work they want. If they can't do the work they want to do, they'll check themselves out. I mean, these are not lucrative paying jobs. I mean, if you look at, um, you know, if you look at the hours they put in some of these positions, the school board pays nothing um, and they put in a ton of hours. Some, some people, right. a lot of these people are making four or $5 an hour when you really count mm-hmm. the hours. You know, and, that, and that's why I would say another way to, another way to sort of, give yourself a leg up in terms of finding people who are really in it for the right reasons is look for places where they're already doing the right things for the right reasons. Right. School board. People aren't, people don't go work in school. They don't go to school boards to make money. They may, some of them go because they don't like to pay taxes, but most of them go because they love kids and they want, they want kids to have a good education. Right. Um, you know, look, I mean, women generally don't, don't go into politics for like self gratification or for glory. They go into politics because they tried to put a stop sign up to protect kids who were walking across the street to a park and the city council wouldn't listen to them. Right. And, and uh, you know, and there's men doing that too. I mean, but you could go to the place we need to, like we're trying to go to the places where people are doing that already. And then saying, hey, by the way, you should be the person making these decisions too. Right. Which, that's well, a lot of work. That's what we're trying to do. Right. Well, um, Jesse, I want to thank you for being on the show. Um, I know that we talked about a lot of things and I know my listeners hopefully are going to Google some of the topics that we discussed and just get a little bit more familiar. Hopefully there's a listener out there who was sitting on the fence who is, of course, registered to vote, but doesn't know if it's the right time or who they can connect to and where to start. So I'm just hoping that this show gave them good ideas. Um, I definitely want to thank, again, I want to thank the listeners. I appreciate you listening to me every week. We're going to have podcasts like this that are going to take you in different directions in politics and hopefully entertain you some. Um, You know, the Surge 2018 is a movement that I created to get folks excited and involved and hopefully they participate by registering to vote and then voting Mm -hmm. in November. 
Um, is there any way folks can connect with you outside of this show? Are you on Twitter? Are you on Facebook? Where can yeah, they find out more about you? Uh, me personally, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I think it's at J Lenny on Twitter, J L E N N E Y. Um, our website is workingfamilies.org. That'll get to all the space where there's people working um, under the W under the Working Families banner. Um, if you're voting, you know, I mean, one thing I would say is the simplest way is if you're voting this year, you'll see us on row E, and um, you'll see a lot of Democrats on it. But if you know, if you don't recognize the names of the candidates, you know, if they're on our line, that they filled out a questionnaire, people have interviewed them, we've taken a look at them, and, and uh, you know, from the choices there, we we've decided they were the best op- the best option for the voters. And mm-hmm. and you can also use our line to communicate with people you do like to let them know that you want you're supporting them because they support our agenda. Um, good schools, good jobs, um, and, a, and a fair democracy. Um, well, I, I don't want to confuse folks. If they vote on the WFP line, don't vote on the Democratic line. You can only vote right. once. Right. So you so, can yeah, be a in, Democrat. In and up, okay, yeah, and the ballots are different. If you're listening in New York City, your ballot is different than upstate. So you got to take a look at uh, <laughs> right. it. Right. Yeah, we, we find a way to confuse you, and this should be easy. Um, eventually, yeah. hopefully, we can get folks in office who want to work with Board of Elections statewide so we can just simplify this for everybody. But you can be a Democrat and work for a W and vote for a WFP yeah, person, most right? Of our, most of our supporters are enrolled Democrats. Okay. So you can vote on either line, but you can only vote once. I don't want my listeners, right. you know, doing all the Democrats and then doing all the WFP. Just pick one. <laughs> just yeah, pick one. Neither one of the votes will count if you do both. Okay. Okay. Well, all right. Thank you so much, Jesse. I appreciate you being on the show. I know it was informative. Thank you, listeners. And no problem. And this was Citizen the Pod.